How are we doing, folks? My guest today is going to be Dr. Stephen Long. Dr. Long has been identified as one of North America's top 10 performance psychology consultants. With over his 30 years of experience, Dr. Long has seen it all. Whether it comes to Fortune 1000 firms, mid-sized companies, or dealing with athletes from college All-Americans, Conference Player of the Years, Heisman Trophy finalists, world champions, NFL MVPs, or Olympic athletes. In this episode, we discuss some of Dr. Long's tactics into making people succeed and what brings out their best abilities. I hope you enjoy Dr. Long's journey of failures and successes so far. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Enjoy, folks. Locked and loaded, and we're rolling. Dr. Long, thank you, sir, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Bobby. Thanks so much for, uh, for inviting me. This has been, uh, you know, kind of full, full circle for, uh, it's, it's been a little while. You know, the, I, th- the, I think the first time I met you, I was about 12 years old. I think it was in Boulder when you were helping my dad with, uh, with Jeremy Bloom, kind of dealing with some stuff there. And uh, I, got a, I brought a little present, or I shouldn't say I brought, I have it here. And I'm curious if you remember this little baby from oh. back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, actually the rights were reverted back to me. And now I use that book for a, uh, for a, um, uh, for a workshop. Oh, okay. I, I changed the name. I changed it to gold. To gold. And, okay. Yeah, mastering the psychology of, ex, uh, of, of execution. So. Excellent. Yeah, no, it was one of those things, especially as you're a little uh, kind of 12 year old trying to become, you know, navigate your way through trying to become a skier and, and competing and all of those things. And um, it was so insightful. And I had so many takeaways as a, as a young little kid trying to figure out having uh, a gold medal kind of mindset in, in competing and, and things of that nature. And one of uh, the takeaways that I've always uh, kind of kept with me uh, in life, use it every day. And goal setting is uh, being smart and having specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and kind of uh, time-bound goals on, mm-hmm. on whatever you kind of uh, want to come out and achieve and, and kind of tackle. So thank you for that. It helped me throughout my uh, ski career and it's, it still helps me today. So I really appreciate well, that. that. That's very kind of you to say. And that's, that's a terrific compliment. Thank you. Thank you, Bobby. So uh, I'm, I'm curious for you, I mean, how much has this kind of landscape uh, changed from when you kind of got into it to now? I mean, social media wasn't really that relevant. And now it's this kind of whole big thing and little snippets here and there. So, so how much has it kind of changed since you got in the game? You know, I, um, so I started this consulting firm about 20 years ago. And, you know, it, 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 there was a lot of travel. Uh, there was none of this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I really love this. Um, uh, the speaking has always been a part of it. Uh, I got into writing early, but not to such a great extent, you know, so now I write a blog, I, you know, I host a podcast. So, you know, these, these, uh, you know, uh, more digital forms of getting your message out has been really important. But I remember I was speaking at a, um, uh, at a conference in 2009 in, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the other speakers was, was a friend of mine. And he was early onto the social media. He was a, like a LinkedIn guru early. Okay. And I just remember saying, oh, the hottest topic of, you know, in this conference is, is social media. <laughs> you know? And so that was pretty much the tipping point for me. You know, I, you know, I, 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 was, I was a member of LinkedIn for, you know, since the early 2000s. 
but then jumped on to Facebook and Twitter, uh, you know, like 2007, 2008 kind of deal. And now it's just, um, uh, I, I, I don't, I still rely more on writing and speaking uh, sure. and word of mouth for marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to get your message out there and, you know, not that I'm looking for a whole lot of followers, you know, I'm not looking for, uh, you know, a- advertising dollars or anything like that, but people who are interested in, you know, in, in, in my uh, area of expertise, uh, you know, they'll pay attention to what I'm, to what I have to say. So, right. it, you know, that, that's really all it is. How much do you, th- I mean, do you think it's kind of helped? I mean, I feel like in the, the short clips and, and things like that, do you think it helps for young aspiring athletes or whether it's people getting into to the business world or leadership roles to be able to kind of reach out to them and, and share a little bit of a message and like, hey, if you kind of like what you're hearing, there's more to kind of get into here. Yeah, when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, content marketing, I think it's important for people to, you know, have a pretty good idea of what you do. And, you know, for your listeners, I can tell them if you go to motairpublishing.com, uh, I have three books there. And one is the, what you just said, but it's an abridged ver- version. It's, it's, it's gold, the abridged version. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just, you know, you can download those books for free. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think it's important, but I think sometimes people get a little bit too involved with building their brand. Sure. And not re- and not really focusing on what the real purpose is of the brand. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and you know, f- for me, it's you know, well, you know, I started off as a teacher and a coach, and you know that that motivation, that purpose has never changed. It's still about helping people. Mm-hmm. So when I was coaching, you know, I was teaching people how to block, how to tackle, you know, how to read a defense, how to break down an offense, right? you know, these type of things. Uh, and I'm just helping players achieve their goals. I'm not really doing anything different now. I just have, you know, I, I basically just use psychological tools. Right. Now that, that kind of um, passion, has that always kind of been innate in you and, and to see the growth within the players and then kind of branched out? I mean, where did that kind of start for you? Yeah, it started early, like eight or nine years old. I, I, I just like the idea of coaching. And I'm one of those strange ducks who I enjoy coaching more than I like playing. <laughs> and I, I love playing, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. I really enjoy coaching and teaching and working with people. Uh, it's, uh, and, and maybe just because I, you know, I just knew that in athletics, your, you know, your shelf life is pretty limited. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to play through college uh, and I don't have any debilitating, debilitating injuries. That's, right, that's so, pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I can walk. I can comb my hair. You know, I can still do all these things. I'm still active. Uh, so, you know, 40 years later. So I feel really good about that. But when it was over, it was over. And I moved right into coaching. And I got, you know, winning a game and helping players go from point A to point B was really, you know, that, that, that just uh, thrills me. Like, you know, it, it thrills me. When, when I see somebody else score a touchdown or they achieve their goals, I just got to um a text from um, one of my former players uh mike Thiessen. he's the offensive coordinator at uh, air force now mm-hmm. and his family is is into jujitsu right but his okay. wife had you know we, we just kind of leveled off and so you know he just called me sometime last year and said hey you know i'd, I'd love for you to work with her and 
just see if he can, you know, just get her off this hump. Right? Mike just posted something on Facebook that, you know, that she was just awarded another belt. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just really fantastic. You know, not, not only for her, but also for that family, because that's their family activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, you know, I just think that's fantastic. Now, for for people like similar to that situation, because uh, you're not only like in sports, but in business and in life, like you're you're bound to hit that lull. You know, there's always uh, you have that momentum either working for you or against you. But there are those periods in time where maybe you're trying to do all the right things and, and, and things like that. I mean, how do you what what, what kind of uh, advice would you give for people to kind of get over that that lull that everybody inevitably has to deal with in life? Yeah, the plateau effect. The plateau. So when I, you know, when I was at the Air Force Academy, uh, you know, I was I was working with all the athletes, and they came into me basically for four reasons. You know, uh, one, they they, you know, just just high performance. They're doing fine, and they just want to see how good they could be. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, another was choking. They choked, and you know, now you know how how, how do I get my head together? How do I get my game back together? Uh, the the, the biggest one was uh, strategic execution is that they know what the strategy is, but for some reason, they're just not executing. Okay. That was the most common reason. But the other reason was uh, plateaus mm-hmm. is that, you know, doc, I just, I'm, you know, I, I, I was doing really well and I'm not going backwards, but I don't seem to be getting anywhere. All right. So yeah. the, the plateau effect. And so what I'm able to offer is I have a psychological instrument that measures right, their mindset. Mm-hmm. And through that, I can find what their strengths are and what their, you know, what their limitations are and basically leverage those strengths, you know, for them to be the best, you know, be the best they can be, but also shore up those weaknesses. And so it really doesn't matter whether they're on a, you know, on a plateau or if they choked. In, in the end, it's all for the, you know, for the same reasons. And, you know, but through a, uh, you know, th- through a psychological instrument, I can, I can basically just, you know, cut through all of that and find out exactly what the issue are, is and then prescribe, you know, certain educational tools so they can, you know, so, so they can, you know, basically go out and fix the problem themselves because, you know, it's, it's really not me, it's them. Right. And how, I mean, how difficult is that? I mean, for someone that loves to coach and love to be able to help people kind of uh, reach new heights that, I mean, I've seen it in coaching all the time where you're like, okay, I've given you all the tools. I'm leading this horse to water, but it is simply not drinking the water. (laughs) The tools are here, but you're, you know, it's not clicking. Yeah. Well, the good news is I haven't had to yell at anybody in 30 years since I got out of coaching. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, but yeah, in the end, it's really all about curiosity. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they're curious about themselves, if they're curious about what they can do. So the growth oriented mindset right, okay. is I know I'm good now, but let me see how good I can be. Mm-hmm. All right. That, and, and so it's not so much a level of dissatisfaction. Um, and, and, and a lot of people believe that that is really the only impetus for change. There, there are a lot of impetuses for change, a lot of catalysts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the primary one, particularly for the high performers, is curiosity. Is that, you know, I'm, you know, like an elite producer, 
yeah, I'm, I'm on top of the mountain and I've been on top of the mountain, but you know, I still think there's something that I haven't tapped into. And that's, you know, so I'm able to go in there and pull it out of them. And that's the thing about education, right, Bobby, is that education doesn't mean piling more and more and more and more information on top of each other, yeah. right? And for the student to get, you know, totally, you know, overwhelmed with it. It's really about drawing the genius out that resides in every person. And so as a teacher, as a coach, as a counselor, as a consultant, that's what I'm trying to do either individually or organizationally, because there's untapped potential in each of those organisms. Mm -hmm. And kind of draw, so drawing out the, the genius, as you put it, is that helping create like a different perspective for them? Cause I feel like the, the mindset that people have, like, as you talk about, you have all that information kind of piled up and I know, and I've had other guests on, you know, it, it, you, you see these goals out before you and it looks like a mountain mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot, a lot of the different people I've had on have been able to just look at it as like, okay, I'm looking at it as today. These are the three goals today, rather than staring at that mountain, just staring at the, the next step and yeah. a little Bob Wiley in there, baby steps, baby steps to the top of the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, big, big goals and big dreams. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, you got to really focus on now. And right. so what, okay. what I suggest to, you know, to my clients is what are you doing today? And maybe what are you doing tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Okay. But it's right. really okay. all about today and whatever you want to have get done by the end of the week, you'll get it done more efficiently if you're just focusing on what you're doing today. But if you try to map out what you're going to do today, tomorrow, the next day, right. And through the week or through a month, Life, this is one of the changes, you know, as far as the social media age is things change like this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And COVID was a really good example because people weren't, people weren't aware of it, but, uh, but they became of it during the, the beginning phases of COVID when everything was changing, not day by day, but hour by hour. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that was a really good experience, I think, for the society, for our society, is that that's really the best way to look at things. Yeah, okay? it's the perceptual abilities that people have, mm -hmm. and so when, when when you look at it, because when factors change, variables change, and the people who you know who believe in those in variables are fixed, mm -hmm. right? They're less likely to adapt. <laughs> but the people who look at it as Okay, here we go again. Something's changing. Let's go. Let's, you know, let's make the change. Yeah. All right. Let's or, pivot, as they say. Right. Kind of be able to pivot and kind of be able to, to move on to the next, the next thing quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, one of the things you had put on that um, I had read about and kind of re that you had talked about um, was that uh, a person's uh, belief system, you know, kind of either enables them or kind of inhibits them from being able to to kind of um, tackle what they want to, uh, whether it comes to a particular goal, whether it comes to now in the moment in the day or, mm -hmm. or that um, or executive action as you were talking about earlier, like, okay, this is uh, with the Air Force players of, okay, mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest issues, right? I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know my job on the field. I'm supposed to fill this gap, ball snapped and I'm freezing. I'm not, I'm not kind of filling that gap. Yeah, yeah it's that simple. Um, did I really say that? Is that one of the things I said? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, it, it, it really all comes down to beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Because what you believe turns into your actions. We're cognitive organisms. Uh, whatever we believe, we put into action. And so what my test measures is that uh, people who score high have really effective beliefs. Mm-hmm. People who score low have really ineffective beliefs. The problem is, is that 70% of people score right in the middle, uh, uh, you know, on average. Okay. Right? And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't think they're average, particularly when they're high performers. Right? Yeah. And so it's, it, it, it's it, you know, it's, it's like 63% of all people think they're above average drivers. Well, that's, 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 that's statistically. That's you haven't driven in Utah yet. Yeah. You got to drive out here in Utah <laughs> and you'll see that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's hard to square. Uh, but everybody thinks they're above average. You know, I, I have a really good mind. I have a terrific mindset. You know, my, 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 my belief system is dead on because it's worked for me. And that's the thing that, you know, that, 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 that people have to come to grips with is whatever got you here may not get you there. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's that, it, it's not a constant um, challenging of assumptions and your beliefs. But it should be periodic is that, you know, maybe maybe things have changed mm-hmm. you know? and maybe I'm looking at this in a, in, a, in a way that I that I'm comfortable with, but is not actually the most effective way to look at it. Sure. I uh, feel like that's super difficult for most people, right? Especially as you talk about like high performers, right? They yeah. all think that they're better than they are. So, mm-hmm. you know, what could kind of help uh, to to be able to pull that bandit off. I mean, I know for me, I got the support system of, uh, of my dad, who's brutally honest as it comes. So I know when I'm, uh, you know, feeling too good about myself, someone's going to bring me back down very quickly to, to reality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing it's, it's about reality. So mm-hmm. one of the things I do in a, in a, in a workshop is I hold up a, you know, half a glass of water. Right? And I say, okay, how many, of you, how many of you all think this is uh, half full and roughly half the people raise their hands. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, how many of you all think this is half empty? And the other half raised their hands. And I said, well, the, the fact of the matter is it's neither. And they, you know, the crowd goes, wait, what? I say, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's half full or half empty. If it's an eight ounce glass and it's half full or half empty, you got four ounces and that's what you got to work with. That's mm-hmm. the reality. Right? And so what happens is that people either get pessimistic or optimistic. The problem is, is that triggers the lower brain. Right. And that's where this, you know, that's where emotions start to dictate decisions. You're not working from the rational brain. You're working, you're not working from the executive functions. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's, that's why, you know, uh, why my programs can not only work with athletes and military people and help people get higher grades, but also work in business and, and, and the arts. It's, you know, it's universally applied because if you're going to be a high performer, you have to be working from the rational brain, the upper brain, right? mm-hmm. where the executive functions are. And this is the part of the brain that governs and regulates goal-oriented behavior. But because we get wrapped up in our emotions, that brings us back into the lizard brain. And that's when we start to go haywire. Start to lose it a little bit. Yeah. That, that damn emotional brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that that part of the brain came first, so that, you know, it's, it's like you know, it's like the wolf. You know, it, it eats first. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, 
I mean, kind of going into that, how long did it take you to kind of uh, develop these kind of tools and, and understanding of, uh, of the human oh. mind? And because and, um, there's so many different steps there, you know, it's a field I'm super curious about. It's what I'm getting my Yeah, uh, Well, my you know, in, so. Bobby, I'm just another overnight success that started in 1991. But, but actually, it just started 10 years earlier, you know, when I, when I got into coaching. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been a, uh, it's a, a 30 year uh, journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was really fortunate that I got into coaching at a very high level and, you know, got to see how elite athletes conduct themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how they prepare, how they respond to success, how they respond to failure. Some is more effective than others. Some is not. Right. Mm-hmm. So I started seeing those behavioral differences. And then when I went back f- for the PhD, that's, that's when I came across a concept that I turned into a theory through the, you know, th- through the uh, psychological inventory. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the Air Force Academy, they don't, you know, they don't care about research, right? It's all about the cadet, which was fine with me because that's the primary reason why I took the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but my job was to enhance the performance of, of all the cadets that, you know, came in contact with me. Mm-hmm. And so I just built up a, a catalog of educational tools and counseling strategies, you know, to, to move them from point A to point B. So it's kind of been for you a consistent build through the years, constantly going back, kind of retooling and reconfiguring yeah. what works and what, what kind of doesn't work and, and yeah. things of that nature. So what helps you on a, on a daily basis? Or, you know, I know you're very much so of in the now and in today. How are you able to kind of uh, time manage your day and be able to kind of keep track of what you need to take care of each and every day? Um, well, I got this, right? So my calendar, mm-hmm. right? And on yep. the calendar, I just put down, you know, some of my to-dos. Right. And some of the to-dos, you know, are more important. So I focus on priorities and I teach, you know, I, I teach the, you know, my clients the same thing is that if, if you can't tell me what your top one, two or three priorities are, you're not a candidate, right? You're, you're not a candidate for this program. And if you tell me that, oh man, we're working on 12 to 15 things. Well, if everything is important, then nothing is important, mm-hmm. right? And so managers get things done, executives get the right things done. Right? Mm-hmm. So you got to focus, you got to identify what the priorities are, the things that are going to create the biggest impact for your organization. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what I do on a daily basis right. is, you know, what, what, what's going to create the biggest amount of change for me mm-hmm. today. And that's what I work on. Okay. Right? Simple, simple. Yeah. Yeah, no, simple, but uh, extremely effective. You know, it's always it's always interesting because you hear uh, there's so much information out there. And I feel like for a lot of people, it can be information overload and that they don't. The tools are there, but it's interesting how many people just don't decide to use them. Right. Like you have those your, your publications are there. The materials there for people to go out and and take advantage of and, and be able to learn and um, create that betterment for themselves. Now, why is it to people not follow through on that? Like the steps are here. This is what you need to do. Why, why, why is there that disconnect of like, yeah, I'm good. I'll just Netflix and chill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's, you know, Nate Silver, you know, 538.com, who does a lot of uh, predictions for 
you know, sports and, and politics. He wrote a book several years ago called The Signal and, and the Noise. You know, and I think a lot of people don't can't can't differentiate between the signals and the noise. The noise is just garbage. You know, it's not going to help you, but it's entertaining. It feeds that instant gratification. It feeds that lower brain. Right. And it just distractions. You know, it's just you know, it, it's, it's the sparkling stuff up here. And it takes a certain amount of discipline uh, just to look for the signals. What's you know, what's what are the things that are really going to help me? Uh, but the, but the, you know, w- when you get into the, you know, the personal motivation and the, you know, or, or psychology of a person is a lot of it has to do with their self-image mm-hmm. is that now nah, this is really not for me. Well, why not? And there hasn't been to say, but mainly because they don't see themselves as, as a winner every day. And it has nothing to do, you know, with, with like being an extrovert or an introvert. Mm-hmm. It, it just has to do you know, with the, with, with the value that they assign to themselves. And a lot of people make this mistake is that they think self-esteem has to be earned. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they're afraid if they fail that they, you know, that they'll lose any kind of self-esteem that they have. The fact is self-esteem is a birthright. Right? Confidence has to be earned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. But not self-esteem, not your self-image, who you are. I mean, there's nothing... That, that you can do to make yourself worth more than anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, there's, yeah. nothing you, there's nothing you can do to make yourself worth less than anybody else, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. and, and that's what I see as one of the primary stumbling blocks is that, you know, within that 70%, uh, you know, that middle of the hump, uh, you know, they're just satisfied with mediocrity and they're satisfied with just making it to the end of the week. You know, there's those radio shows and well, well, hey, you made it to Friday. Congratulations. You know, that is such a lousy way of living and, you know, just living for the weekend, you know, where time is the only fixed uh, resource that you have. And, you know, you're just biding your time until Friday just so you can have, you know, a, a, a moment of indulgence on the weekend. Yeah, all that time is wasted. You know, don't get me wrong. I believe in self-renewal. You know, and the weekend is the time to do it. But if you're just biding your time in order to say, oh, I don't have that pressure anymore. And this is where the self-perception comes into play, Bobby, is mm-hmm. the pressure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right? Is the stress because all it is is energy. And the way you perceive it will determine whether it's positive stress, positive energy or negative. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's really what I teach people through the tools is how to perceive that pressure either from coming from inside or coming from outside and when you start to perceive it in a way that creates excitement and energy and enthusiasm Mm -hmm. that's when you actually are looking for problems right Mm -hmm. because you know those are the opportunities yeah right rather than oh god here comes another problem or let me see if i can deflect this or get it off my desk or assign it to somebody else or you know that's you know because you know eventually that's that's the root of uh, of, of their stress mm-hmm. and they just want to get away from it and you know yeah. you're, you're you're a competitive guy and you know that feeling you know when you're on top of the hill you know and the buzzer's about to go right you're excited mm-hmm. right but you're relaxed yeah right it's an oxymoron but it's a relaxed intensity and you know musicians know this artists know this surgeons know this mm-hmm. okay 
right? People who actually perform and they look at their job as a performance. Mm-hmm. That's when they, you know, that's, that's when they begin to understand that, you know, if I don't have enough stress, that's not a good thing. And if I have too much stress, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the Goldilocks phenomenon, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, not too cold, not too hot, just right. Just right. Yeah. Right. You mm-hmm. know, like my father used to say, be, you know, be cool, but don't freeze. <laughs> right. cool don't forget yeah i like it yeah but the but the the thing about it it's different for everybody and it's different for different situations so mm-hmm. what i like to say is some people are volvos and some people are ferraris mm-hmm. right it's like a tachometer in a car right and you really want to be in that that, that high performance zone and it yeah. all comes down to how you perceive this perceive the situation and perceive the environment mm-hmm. rather than having the environment dictate how you react right. yeah right so now, it's, it's, it's a temperature in a, um, uh, a thermostat situation mm-hmm. right be a thermostat where you control the environment rather than a thermometer where you're reacting to the environment and i i have i mean it's so interesting because it, it i feel like for some people that clicks like really easily and it's one of those things that you just can't really like explain like i don't i've always had a good attitude i've always had like and it's one of the things i've always discussed is like attitude attitude is everything it's one, you know it's one of those main things and and speaking to that like perception you know that self-perception and just that's one of the things i've always found like hardest is to try to you know when i'm coaching athletes or dealing with different people is like you you know that their mentality is already negative Mm-hmm. And to try to be able to turn that tide of like, hey, like, you know, that was pretty, you, you're not that far off. It's you're too, you need to lean two inches more forward. Now, you know, you're right near the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Don't give up now. You know, don't have this defeatist attitude. Uh, you know, death and glory are, are right there in the middle, as you say, not too hot, not too cold. Yeah. And but but you learn that you mm-hmm. learn, you know, that attitude is important. Um, and so what I do is I, you know, identify what those what those beliefs are mm-hmm. and I see what, you know, the, the ones that are really holding them back and I unfreeze them because mm-hmm. right? they're frozen, but I unfreeze them through the educational tools and the counseling techniques. Right? And then I replace them. And once they start to see that, wow, life is a little bit better like this. Then I refreeze it because it, and it's not me refreezing; it's actually them because the, it's really about self-reinforcement mm-hmm. right? is that they're starting to perform better. Right. And those rewards that, you know, that are, are, are really powerful. Right? Yeah, and so absolutely. it's, it's, it's basically just a very simple uh, time honored educational model is that as a teacher, as a coach, all I do is provide tools and strategies right, to build skill sets. And mm-hmm. when people master those skills, Right? then behaviors change. Yeah. And when behaviors are reinforced and repeated often enough, that's when habits change. And that's when the person goes from point A to point B with their mindset. And because of that, they're, 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 they're making better decisions. They're learning faster. They're adapting more effectively. And because of that, they are executing strategy more consistently. And mm-hmm. that is a really strong uh strong drug man because that that just that just lights up the dopamine pathway now how long does it take for i mean i I guess it's probably a person to person but i mean it's through the years i mean would you say for for someone to reinforce that behavior over and over again to finally get them to kind of click and and start to move in in the right direction 
Yeah, it's it, it, that varies, mm -hmm. uh, but it really comes down to, you know, how good of a teacher I am and how good of a student they are. Mm -hmm. you know, and there's an old saying in education, you know, the, the student, the teacher arrives when the student shows up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. and 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 then there's some other uh, factors as you know as far as what are the issues and then how intense are those issues, mm -hmm. right? So on average, like the executive coaching clients that I have, um, you know, are two to four months long, outside six months. But mm -hmm. I can tell you with the you know the athletes that I've worked with at the Air Force Academy because time is the most important resource, most precious resource that any cadet has. Because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, not only these are they cadets, you know, they're, they're taking on average 21 credit hours a semester, right? But they also want to become all Americans. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And so time becomes really, really narrow. And, but the average, uh, the average uh, length of time that I would meet with a cadet is, is three sessions. Okay. Right. Some three, took yeah, a little bit sessions. longer. Okay. Some clicked after one. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now dealing, but so, so let's say dealing with someone um, kind of non-high performing, right? Because there, there are all those other, you know, I have several friends and stuff that never got into athletics. I think it's one of the most valuable things that you can, you can have and you can do, and it makes long inroads in life. And there's so much values uh, to, to learn from it. But for, for people out there kind of in the business world and stuff like that, that never really got into athletics, just like, Hey, not really my thing. Tried football yeah. a little bit and, mm -hmm. and moving. I mean, because I feel like those people are a little more lost. I feel like most of the people that went through, you know, college athletics or hyper, you know, at, at Air Force, they're there and they're driven for a reason. Like you said, everyone that's meeting with you wants to be an All-American, wants to be yeah. a best. The drive's already there. Yeah. They're just like, hey, okay, I'm going to input this mm -hmm. into my game plan and I'm up, up and on the way. Yeah. <laughs> So let me ask you, what do you think is the prime for high school students? What do you think is the primary predictor of, uh, of future career success? Attitude. All right. Well, all right. So <laughs> let, let me, let me list these. Do you think it's GPA? No. Do you think it's class rank? Uh, no. <laughs> do you think it's uh, uh, SAT or ACT scores? Uh, I would say no. All right. But they're all measurable, aren't they? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's what people tend to dwell on. Okay? Mm -hmm. What the, there's uh, the National Federation of High Schools, which is like the NCA of, of high school sports. You know, they conduct studies all the time. And what they found, you know, over a long period of time is the, the, the most, most accurate predictor of success is participation of and leadership of extracurricular activities. So not only athletics, right, mm -hmm. but also theater and drama speech and debate, right? um, uh, student government, right? uh, music programs, mm -hmm. right? because not only are you responsible for your own performance and you know that other people are counting on you, but you're also counting on them. Mm -hmm. right? And so that, you know, the, the, the working with and through other people, that is learned early. Mm -hmm. okay? And that's the predictor of career success. And there was a point in the 90s, I'm sure it's different now, where every female CEO played college athletics, every female, because of Title IX, okay? Mm. Now that's changed since then, but they all understand how important it is, you know, for these extracurricular activities. And, and it only, you know, at the most, it's only 2% of a high school district budget, 
mm-hmm. right? But the superintendents, what do they do? They, they're always looking to cut it. Yeah. Right. Which is absolutely the wrong kind of way to think about things. Mm-hmm. No, right? absolutely. But, yeah. But, you know, it doesn't show up on, uh, on, on board scores. It doesn't show up on, you know, placement tests and, and, you know, and colleges are looking at the wrong things, but thankfully colleges are starting to look at different things. They're starting to eliminate, you know, the SAT and ACT from their, from their application process, mm-hmm. right? Because they start to realize, well, wait a minute, you know, we're, 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 we're bringing all these, you know, all these intelligent, supposedly intelligent, cognitively intelligent people, yeah. right? but they're not going out in the world and not changing anything. Right, mm-hmm. where, where we're finding, you know, kids from state schools and, and county colleges, they're the ones who are running everything, mm-hmm. right? You, you, know, you know what school has more CEOs than any other school in the country? I do not. It's not Yale. It's not Harvard. It's not Princeton. It's Texas A&M. <laughs> okay? Wow. Go <Yeah>. Aggies. <laughs> Go Aggies, man. <laughs> All right? But that's, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just because you can measure it doesn't mean that it's that it's worth anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got to start, you know, this is what the, you know, the accountants, particularly in business, have to start figuring out is how to put into balance sheet terms what where the real value is in a company. Mm-hmm. OK, because it's in the human capital, but they just don't know how to account for it. Right. Right. They don't know how to find it. They don't have, yeah. Yeah, well, they, they know how to find it. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot like pornography. I know it when I see it, but I, yeah, I don't know how to define it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so you know, people are the difference, but you don't know how to how to replicate that person. And so mm-hmm. by doing that, you just tell everybody, "Well, just be like Mike." Well, <laughs> what Mike knew more than anybody else is that he knew how to be better, the you know, to 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 be his best version of himself. You know, mm-hmm. he, he figured out his own high performance pattern. He didn't follow anybody else's. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, you know, the best book that I can recommend to, you know, to your audience mm-hmm. is Principles by Ray Dalio. Principles. He, he goes through his entire career and how he came up with his own principles of high performance. Right? And, and okay. he's the founder of Bridgewater Associates. Mm-hmm. I don't know, 300 billion under assets. Uh, uh, but you know, he's, he himself is worth 17 billion. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he didn't follow anybody else's model. Yeah. He figured it out for himself. And it's, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of books. Well, do it like this because these successful people did it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what book did they read? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so they just become a secondary source. And so one of the things I try to help people with is identify their own pattern of high performance so they can, be their best because if you're going to try to follow somebody else you're just going to end up being mediocre mm-hmm. you know, you'll never be as good as they are yeah no definitely it's definitely it, it's an interesting it's an interesting um thing to really think about because there are so many of those different books and outlets and kind of tools that you have now at your disposal and really being able to, to look in the mirror and, and kind of take that, that first step, you know, we touched on a little bit earlier, but that kind of fear of, of putting yourself out there and taking Mm -hmm. that first step and, you know, uh, your own self-esteem as you talked about and Mm -hmm. that self-esteem is, well, you know, I don't want to damage that because what if I fail and look like a jackass, all my friends, you know, everyone, you know, 
And and there's so much fear, especially now with social media and Instagram and all that. Now it's at such a heightened level that we've never seen before. Right. I mean, it's just like craziness where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to take a step and look like an idiot because I'm going to get eaten alive by a bunch of people I don't know online. (laughs) And and that's where, you know, what what we call locus of control comes Mm -hmm. into play is that, you know, so you have all these people who are commenting about you, but they don't know you. You don't know them. They certainly don't care about you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, you know, you, you should be more concerned about, you know, about the people you care, you know, who care about you. Mm-hmm. Because if you're letting them down and they know you really well, that's the feedback that you should be paying attention to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so feedback is important, but it has to be valid feedback. Mm-hmm. And there's not much of that these days. I feel like most of, uh, you know, the, the kids have been, uh, you know, we were at uh, Mount Hood over the summer in like uh, August or something like that. And it was really interesting. I would come home, we'd go through, we'd do um, after we were off the hill and they would just be sitting there, you know, kind of doing schoolwork and stuff like that. Next thing I'd look over as a, you know, working, doing whatever. And they're all just on their phones, on social, oh, it was TikTok, mm-hmm. TikTok, all TikTok. of them. Just, yeah. I mean, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what Nick Saban rails about, you know, with the media is that you're mm-hmm. poison, you're poison. And, you know, he, he, he sounds a little, you know, controlling, but he's right. Mm-hmm. Is that, and, 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 but he, the thing is, he's never going to be able to control the media. Yeah. Right. What he has to really, but I think he's saying it in, 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 in the face of the media because he knows his players are listening to the media, maybe more than he is, mm-hmm. more, more than they're paying attention to him. Sure. Right? But, you know, he is the valid source of feedback. His coaches are the valid source of feedback. Right. Uh, the radio host, the newspaper columnist, the, you know, the, the influencers on social media, right? The commentators, they're not. Mm-hmm. And there's only one reason why, because they have no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. They have nothing in the game. So if they're wrong, so what? Yeah. Right. So if they, you know, if they tell a player, well, he should be doing this and the player does it and the player goes downhill. Well, what harm is done to the, you know, to, 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 to that critic? Mm-hmm. nothing right? yep. but if the coach tells him to do something and he does it and it doesn't help well mm-hmm. one he loses the trust of the player right yeah. and so the player's not going to listen to him anymore second the player's performance has gone down the tubes right and you know the head coach sees that and that's mm-hmm. not helping so as a position coach you're you know you're responsible yeah right? you're accountable mm-hmm. so that's what i think people have to look for as far as uh, you know, as far as feedback, who else is accountable, mm-hmm. right? And they're the people I can trust. Yeah. How, I mean, how big, how much have you seen that kind of growth in the last few years, whether it's working with different athletes or professionals and stuff like that in, in the heightened kind of media world now where, where it really affects them? You know, it used to be just be the newspaper clippings when, hey, I'm going to, we're going to play the rival and no one has, you know, you have that bulletin board kind of material. Now it's, you know, uh, kids in college or even at the pro level. I mean, they're seeing it every single day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How difficult is it, has it well, been now for you? See, like with Saban and, 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 you know, NFL coaches, sometimes they try to motivate through the media, mm-hmm. which only strengthens that reinforcement. Mm-hmm. It, what, what it tells me is that they have already lost control of, uh, of this player or a group of players, right? Cause now they're trying to use the media to motivate the player. Mm-hmm. Right to influence them. Yeah, because if they had full control and trust of the player, then 
they, you know, then they wouldn't have to go through the media. John Wooden never had to go through the media, mm-hmm. right? Because his players trusted him. Yeah. His players knew that, you know, his first and foremost concern was them, not mm-hmm. only as athletes, but also as people. And I think that's where the disconnect is. Yeah. Right? I mean, is that this, this guy's only, you know, this guy's only using me. You know, he doesn't really care if I get an education. This guy doesn't really care you know, what happens to me after I leave here, as long as I produce for him on Saturdays, that's all he cares about. Right. And that total, you know, it's not a win at all costs approach, but it's, it's, it's a total focus on winning mm-hmm. right? rather than the whole person. And, yeah. you know, players t- today, I think today's players are much more savvy in who they are and what they want to accomplish not only in sports, but outside of sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, LeBron James is probably one of the best role models ever to, you know, to, to, you know, to, to as an athlete, because mm-hmm. it's yeah, just absolutely. not, it's just not about sports. It's about everything else. And, yeah. you know, the people, you know, the young people that he's influenced over the past, you know, 15 years or so mm-hmm. is, is monumental, but he's, you know, but through his actions, yeah, I'm here to win. Right? But it's not what I do in sport. It's not what I do out of sport. It's really what I'm doing through sport. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So that's a, I think that's, that's really the important thing as far as gaining the trust of your players so they are looking to you rather than other external sources. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting to, to be able to think you know, about Saban or those college coaches because there are – so many more distractions. And at the same time, I mean, the players are, like you said, they're savvy and they're using him. Yeah. It's because they know Bama is one of the top programs and know there's a better shot. They're going to get drafted. And, you know, I think it's tough with wooden because at the same time in that day and age, the media is not what it is now, you know, like they're not, uh, kids aren't getting offers when they're 12 years old. Like, Hey, here's an offer full ride for Alabama. You're 12. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. But, but it's Alabama who's, you know, who's extending that offer to a 12 year old. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, players know who, who cares about them. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And employees know who, 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 you know, as far as which bosses care about it. You know, if you're just a meal ticket, if you're just, there, you know, that, that you're just there to, you know, pump up the bottom line and, you know, the, 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 the bosses or the coaches or, you know, whoever the authority figures are, if all they care about is mm-hmm. the performance, you're actually negating performance. Yeah. Right. You really mm-hmm. got to look at it from, you know, from all aspects of their lives, you know, not just from, you know, their athletic or professional life, mm-hmm. but also their, you know, their social life. Uh, mm-hmm. Their spiritual life, uh, their financial life, right? Uh, their um, uh, uh, let's see, what else? Family, financial, uh, social, spiritual, uh, and 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 what they're actually doing as a complete person. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know the leaders who who um, embrace that, they create a culture. Yeah, that is really effective. Mm-hmm. that you know um, you know that, that you know we're here to win we're here to make money right? but be but we're doing so much more than that mm-hmm. right? yeah and, it's really and, how you build a solid kind of foundation there from the ground exactly. up not yeah. only on the hill not only you know on the mm-hmm. field this is really how not just what you do when you clock in and clock out but all mm-hmm. aspects what's what's kind of really going on I think, yeah, we're going to build you difference. from the inside out yeah right 
to, mm-hmm. to, to not only make you a better person, but to make this a better organization. And it actually makes business sense because that's where the consistency comes from. Mm-hmm. Is that when, when you know, th- this was the thing at the Air Force Academy that I had to get through to most cadets mm-hmm. is that they had, you know, <laughs> see at every other state university, mm-hmm. right, all their competitors, the, 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 the most pressure time of the day was practice. Mm-hmm. At the Air Force Academy, it's the best part of the day. <laughs> okay? Right? That gives them a huge advantage because they can go out on game day right, and just let it rip because whether they win or lose, they still have a group of people who support them. Right? Mm-hmm. They're still yeah. you know, really smart and you know, academics is, is important. Right? Yeah. They're, they're still you know, spiritually grounded. All right? Yeah. They have so many things in place, but they just were, you know, when I got there, they, you know, the, the, the cadet athlete in general wasn't looking at it like that. Mm-hmm. They were just looking at, oh, man, this is just so hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, you know, the academics are hard, which they are. It's brutal. The military is hard. Yes, it's hard. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to play Division One sports. Yeah, well, you chose this, but what's the best part of your day? Yeah. Well, it's actually practice. I said, okay, look at the people who you compete against. You think you think practice is the best part of their day? No, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you you have the advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's really going through and kind of kind of flipping flipping that mindset for sure. That mm-hmm. yeah. Now for you, who was it kind of, or who are some of those people that kind of helped mentor you uh, along? And, and helped you on your journey? Who are those that, that saw more than just the clock in, clock out on the field? Um, who was it for you that kind of helped in coaching and, and in life? You know, um, I've been really fortunate to be exposed to, you know, some absolutely first-rate people. Uh, you know, it starts with my parents and, you know, they're the ones who taught me that, uh, you know, anyone can win, anyone can succeed, uh, anyone can make money, but, you know, to, 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 to win and succeed with honor, that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I, I, um, I went to two different high schools. And, uh, you know, my first high school, the football coach retired as the third winningest coach in the state. All right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could see where, you know, football was important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The second high school I went to, yeah, football was important, but you better have your academics in shape, right? Mm-hmm. And the head coach actually rose to superintendent. Okay. Right? So there was, you know, there was, there was a stronger educational emphasis there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I go off to college and uh, the head coach, Tubby Raymond at the University of Delaware, who's a Hall of Fame coach, he employed a, you know, a, an educational approach, right? Mm-hmm. And you just see the way that he organized practice, right? Is that, you know, we, we, we did in, individual skills here, Right? And then we went into group work and then we went into teamwork, mm-hmm. right? Everything was educational, uh, but football, you know, football wasn't uh, a big, well, it is a big thing at Delaware, particularly at the time. Mm-hmm. There's only two things to do in the state of Delaware. One is to go to the beach in the summer and one is to go to Delaware football games in the fall. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we didn't have athletic dorms. We didn't have training table. And even when I was, when I was playing, not when I was coaching, we didn't even have mandatory uh, workout sessions. Really? Yeah. And during yeah. spring, you know, during, during fall camp, coaches didn't stay with us. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you got down to practice on your own. 
Yeah. And, and we, you know, players quickly learn that if you're woken up by the bat, the captain would come by with a bat, you know, every morning and mm-hmm. wake you up by six o'clock. If you're getting woken up by the bat, you're not going to make it through camp because camp is Tubby Raymond's camp was hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I, you know, then I uh, go off and um, I get a, a graduate assistantship with uh, George Welsh at the university of Virginia, former Navy coach. And again, it is educationally oriented, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's the University of Virginia. Uh, academics are important. Um, but then through the years, you know, I, I go back to Delaware and then leave. And then uh, I, I flounder a little bit. Uh, and I'm at the University of North Carolina. And they offer me a job in their football office. But I turn it down. And I go to the track coach, uh, Dennis Craddock, who's, you know, just a terrific, you know, he, he won more ACC titles than any other track coach in history. Um, and that was all educated, but, but it taught me about female athletes because being a you know, football coach, you're not exposed to, you know, females. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, but they had a terrific uh, women's program. They were the dominant program in, uh, on the women's side. And you can see how these women were just unbelievably committed and competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they were, you know, as much as any other athlete I ever worked with. I was like, okay, that's terrific. But at the same time, I meet uh, Leroy Walker, who, you know, eventually became uh, president of the USOC. And he was actually the president of North Carolina Central. And mm-hmm. he'd come over Chapel Hill and just watch practice because he, he was actually the 76 Olympic coach. And he okay. would just spend time with me. Yeah, you know, he yeah. would just sit down and, you know, we'd just talk for, you know, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, those kind of, you know, that kind of influence cannot be, you know, underestimated. Yeah, but I had, I had really good professors at the University of Virginia, had great uh, professors at the University of Kansas. You know, mm-hmm. you won't find nothing but good people at the Air Force Academy. So, uh, you know, all those influences, you know, were really important uh, into, you know, not just shaping me and molding me, but cementing me yeah. into who I am is that, you know, you know, if you got to cheat to win, it's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see the fun in that. I, mm-hmm. I think the challenge is to do it right and do it better than, because you know people are out there cheating, but, you yeah. know, to do it right and, 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 and beat the cheaters even while they're cheating. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's the best, that's the best feeling there is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now for you, I mean, it really sounds like you were uh, a seeker. Like you were kind of going out and, and rather than sticking in the football path, like, all right, I want to kind of change and I want to get that, um, that new uh, perspective, you know, it really seems uh, at least to me and what we've talked about that you've kind of always, and you talk about that, that knowledge being power and kind of being key and having that curiosity. It seems like there was a lot of times that you've wanted to seek out that, um, that education. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> Yes and no. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I would think my guidance counselors from high school would be a little surprised that people address me as doctor now. <laughs> um, so no, I wasn't a. I, I was an average student in, in high school, average student in college. Things tended tended to click for me. Uh, you know, when I got to UVA. Yeah. Uh, and and I think it's primarily because I had two you know extraordinary professors who. We're not gonna who who saw something in me, and we're not gonna let me get away with just a wink and a smile, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but there there's there was always 
somehow I knew it, it, it was more than just academics, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but the academics provides a, uh, a, found, a foundation mm -hmm. uh, of knowledge that you can use. There's something more to it. And, you know, my father was, a, uh, was an HR professional, you know, during his career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he worked in these really big companies with a lot of talented people, but some made it and some didn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, th these were the stories that he would tell at the dinner table. And yeah. so I knew it was something more than just, you know, than, than just straight academics. And, I, and, and also I knew it was something more than just sheer willpower because willpower runs out. Yeah. You know, eventually. and yeah, eventually, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and some people just grind their teeth uh all the way through and you know and and, and this is where survivalism uh mm -hmm. becomes more important than winning and you know that's a problem i mean because then there's no joy to life yeah. um so I, I i always knew that there was something else and i just continue to you know to try to find what that was and i guess that was my search when i went back to the university of kansas for a phd you know in my early 30s when you know a lot of people you know, really were getting their careers revved up and, you know, we're stepping on the accelerator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I went, you know, what some people would think was go backwards, but, you know, something, you know, your, 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 your friend Jeremy Bloom taught me is that, hey, if you want to go fast, you got to go slow. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, so that was, you know, so, so that experience in itself was, was just integral to to where I am now because if I didn't go backwards then I wouldn't be where I am now mm -hmm. now I mean kind of speaking to that a little bit uh, one of those things that I think is most interesting in, in most people's careers whether athletically business-wise I mean you got to have a certain amount of, of perseverance because mm -hmm. times are not always going to be positive there are those times as we touched on earlier where you're kind of moving backwards or maybe you're just stagnant and what what is kind of the key to, to be able to have some of that perseverance, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a, a friend slash client of mine said, you know, well, I, I don't like to make failure a habit. You mm -hmm. know, I'm going to lose money, but I don't like to make it a habit. Yeah. Um, and so the perseverance, the resilience, the patience, all the things that people are starting to become aware of during COVID, mm -hmm. um, you know, athletes are, have always been aware of this, you know, and same with musicians, mm -hmm. you know, people who actually do things, you know, who actually have to produce and perform. Uh, they know that failure is part of it mm -hmm. and not that they want to make it a habit, but when it happens, uh, they don't assign blame. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the first thing they don't assign blame because some will assign blame outwards. That was my coach's fault or, was, you know, this other, it was the trainer's fault or, yeah. you know, my nutritionist's fault or, you know, it was my masseuse, right? I mean, they got so many people around them. It could be anybody's fault, right? <laughs> right? Or uh, that was all my fault. No, mm -hmm. blame doesn't do anything, mm -hmm. right? And so what the really effective people do is they get into problem solving right away. They analyze what happened right? and, and they identify what the root cause is. And then they solve the problem. Oh, here was, you know, this was just a, an, an example or an opportunity where this was exposed and they're actually grateful for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So, and this is the part of being an athlete that I think really separates people is that they really appreciate the relationships that they have with their competitors, with their opponents, mm -hmm. because they, because it's a dance. 
yeah. is that you can't dance with somebody who doesn't dance well. Right? <laughs> you dance your best when somebody is really jiving with you. You know, that is just fantastic. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's what the other great athletes do for you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, whatever the competition is, right, whether it's military or business or, or athletics, right, you want that you want the best from the people that you're going up against because it's going to draw the best out of you. Yeah. And, and if that's not good enough, well, okay, what did I do wrong? And is this something I can get better at? Or, wow, I did give it the best shot that I possibly could and I still got beat. Yeah. Well, then you tip your cap and you move on to the next opponent. Yep. You know, it's going to happen in life. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen in life. And it, and it happens to everybody. I just, you know, I, I'm, I, I saw on, uh, on some football game, Tom Brady got waxed this weekend. Yeah, he had a rough and he, one. <laughs> and, he, and he's the best who's ever lived. Yep. So, you know, and if, and if you're not getting that, experiencing that failure, it only shows you're not playing a, on a high enough level. Mm-hmm. Right? You got to, you know, not, not up your game in yep. terms of, of yourself, but you got to up your game in terms of finding better competition. Yeah. Now, why is it for uh, most athletes, people in the business world, I mean, for myself, definitely, that we are able to learn the most and build on the most when we do fail? When we have that competition where, ah, damn, I mean, I skied like shit. I blew it. It's not mm-hmm. what I was looking for. Or coaching wise, you make some, you know, you make some mistakes and it ends up athlete doesn't perform as well. I mean, what is it about those failures that, 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 that makes people just kind of uh, grow so much more than from when they win and they do well? Accountability and responsibility. Accountability, responsibility. If, if you don't have those two, you, you won't get better. Mm-hmm. Right? If you, if you deny the reality, mm-hmm. you won't get better. But if you embrace the reality, mm-hmm. then you will get better. That, you know, those, those are the opportunities to, you know, to, to grow. Yeah. You know? And that's why, you know, that's then, you know, er, er, you know, a lot of people think, Oh man, this perseverance thing is really hard. It's not. Yeah. Right. And if you have, you know, if you have the right belief about it, if you have the right outlook about it, mm-hmm. Just that, you know, it, whether you succeed or fail, it's like, you know, the Rudyard Kipling uh, poem, if, right? If, if you can treat both success and failure the same, then you'll be a man, my son. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So it, it's, it, it's not about the winning and the losing. And, you know, I, I've worked with and for, you know, some of the best coaches that have ever been, mm-hmm. okay? What they do really well is, yeah, they want to win. But they treat the win and they treat the loss exactly the same. They come in Sunday, they look at the film, right? The score is irrelevant. Now it's all about getting people, you know, players to perform better, mm-hmm. right? So, you, yeah. you know, so it's really about a process orientation over the, 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 the outcome orientation. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for people out there, what would, what would be a little advice for them as they're going through, whether it's business, athletics, if you had a couple, couple little takeaways for them to uh, help them through uh, each and every day and kind of focusing on the now, what, what, what would it be for them? Uh, focus on the things that you're curious about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that, that, that's a big, that's, a, that, that, that's something that I don't think enough people take time to really look at is that, you know, they're so focused on what they got to do, mm-hmm. right? And they forget about what they're really curious about. Yeah. Um, but then uh, second is 
is, is just adopt that growth-oriented attitude, is that no matter where you are on the spectrum right, of success and failure, that you can get better. Yeah. And it's really not about the outcome. It's about the process. It's about the journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the outcome is, is what it is. Cause a lot of those, most of the time you don't have control over it, mm-hmm. right? But you yeah. do have control over the process yeah. and to, 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 to identify the differences between what you have control over and what you don't. And this is where the noise comes in. There's a lot of things that people don't have control over, but mm-hmm. they allow those things to distract them. That's the noise. Yeah. But the things that you do have control over uh, like your effort, like your your attitude. These are the things you have complete control over. These are where the signals are. Yeah. And those are you know those are the 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 guiding you know the guiding lights uh, of 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 where you eventually will end up. Mm-hmm. And you know I can tell you this. I don't talk to clients about goals. Mm-hmm. You don't. Okay? No. Because right? I find that their their ceilings, their limits, <laughs> right? And I don't talk to them about potential, right? Because as soon as I start talking about potential, yeah, you know. So like 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 when when I was coaching mm-hmm. and recruiting high school players, I go to high school A and say, hey, you can be a uh, you can be a three year starter for us. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I go to high school B and said, I I tell the player, you know, you can be an all American for us, right? Yeah. And then I got a high school C and said, you know, we're just going to be a stop along the way. You're going to play on Sundays. Mm-hmm. What did I just tell these three players? <laughs> Multiple things. <laughs> I just told them what their limits are. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so potential is a really dangerous word. Mm-hmm. Right. Because as soon as you start talking about it, you're starting to put limits on people. Right. Kind of puts, puts a box, puts, puts that ceiling in there for them. Yeah. So I, it, it's not so much what I talk about. It's really about what I don't talk about. Right. No, I, mean, I always, uh, t- one of the takeaways from a Matt when it was a long time ago was the fact of, and I always use this in coaching, was not using the word don't. Mm-hmm. And I remember that as a, t- of like, you know, because that doesn't uh, fire in the mind. They don't, you know, they will focus on the word like, hey, don't get your hips back. That mm-hmm. does not compute. And they think about, not getting their hips back or getting their hips back, right? Don't get your hips back. Okay, my hips are going to be back. Or that, that which it was. Um, yeah, the so mind thank you for hear, that. <laughs> yeah, the mind doesn't hear don't. So, yeah. you know, when, when I first met you, you know, I, I only had one gray spot. So, <laughs> but now, you know, so but back then, if I told you don't look at my gray spot, you know, where do your eyes naturally go? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's really about, you know, in terms of concentration. And also a really important point of, of leadership mm-hmm. is give positive commands, positive, positive commands. Mm-hmm. You know, don't tell me what you don't want me to do. Tell me what you want me to do and I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Right. Well, don't do this. Don't do that. You know, it's like going to the doctor. Hey doc, it hurts me when I do this. Well, don't do that. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, or, you know, when, when COVID came out and they said, you know, don't touch your face. What? How- <laughs> you know, people touch their face 30, 40 times a minute, you know, <laughs> How are you going to change that behavior? Right? Just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and as you can see, we're, you know, we've done a great job with, with COVID as far as behavior change. So, it, you know, it's, it, you know when, when, it, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's really about positive commands. Just giving yourself positive commands. What do you want to do? 
mm-hmm. you know, identify the priority and, 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 and you know, figure out what you want to do and don't worry about the things you don't want to do. Right. Because they'll, they'll either be negated or, or, or minimized through, through your, through your process. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Long, uh, where can people uh, find out a little bit uh, more, check out some more of your books and uh, oh, follow uh, along with you? Yeah. Um, oh boy, this is, this is always a good question. So <laughs> um, my website is motereconsulting.com. That's M-O-T-E-R-E consulting.com. Um, my, my, you can find my books at motarepublishing.com. Um, uh, a book will be coming out that your father and I actually were, were going to use, but you know, now that my air force guys are our parents, they've convinced me to publish it. And that's <laughs> called the, uh, the, uh, the seven deadly sins of youth sports. That's going to be coming out in the next week or two. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's on, on Amazon right now and I'm still working out some details with Apple. Um, uh, and then, uh, I have a, a blog called the hedgehog blog, okay. uh, that you can find, you know, if you just put that in and, uh, I do host a, uh, podcast called the X factor, the human performance and leadership podcast. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, sir, for, uh, taking the time. And, uh, you know, we need to make your way out to uh, park city for the next time we do this. We'll do it, uh, get working on the studio. So hopefully that'll be up, uh, you know, by uh, by next year, so we'll have to do this. First, get a little skiing in this winter. Come on, it'll yeah. be good. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I, I got to replant some of my synovial fluid in my in my knee, but that should be coming soon. Perfect. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, but I'll take you up on that. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity to speak to speak with you and uh, and all your listeners. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, sir. We'll uh, chat again soon, and uh, have a good uh, have a good rest of the day and the week. You too, Bobby. Thanks. All right. so much. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening in. I really appreciate it. Please make sure to take the time to like, share, and subscribe our show. And also you can follow along on Instagram. Thanks.